Canadians. We're polite, we're reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. That's right. Donald Trump can't even get along with Canadians. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. The summit should go well. I got the feeling that something right. What could go wrong? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Broadcast, as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest in China Lake, California, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, and Cottage Grove on KSO, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, WLRI, Halenville, New York, WLPP, uh, but the, oh, Maui, Hawaii, KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. Talk about Ohio today. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, KPSQ in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountains, California's KKRN and Minneapolis St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. Five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today on what is already an insanely busy week. Uh, I want to very quickly, though, say thanks to our supporters out here at KPFK who stepped up, uh, stepped up over the last uh, long fun drive here. It is good to be back with you live in studio today, and uh, to celebrate, I hope, we will open up the phones so that you can also speak over your public airwaves today after supporting them over the past several weeks. We will be talking about uh, what, if anything, good or bad, will be coming from Donald Trump's planned summit with North Korea's Kim Jong-un over the next 24 hours or so. And I say planned meeting because, you know what, Desi Doyen, he could walk out at any goddamn time knowing him um, after what he did over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think he made that abundantly clear that any agreement that you might come to him, come to with him, could change at any moment. So do me a favor while I'm talking, keep an eye on Twitter to let me know if this whole thing falls apart before <laughs> we're even off air today. Will do. You can also uh, reach me on Twitter. I am the Brad Blog. Good to hear from you there as well. Uh, but yeah, following his disastrous meeting with allies at the uh, G7 summit in Quebec, Canada over the weekend, uh, who knows what's going to happen now with North Korea's Kim Jong-un. Trump arrived late to that G7 summit with our friends, with our allies, and then he left early from it, and then he pulled his name from the group's final Summit communique, which they traditionally all sign and put out together. So more on that in a little bit as well. But if you'd like to get in line to share your thoughts 
uh, about the, uh, well, take your pick, the weekend summit or the one between uh, Trump and Kim Jong-un. Our phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. You know as much about what is going to happen as do any of the experts or pundits on the TV machine. Uh, and uh, probably more than Donald Trump himself. Uh, by the way, for the record, the supporters uh, that uh, th- those here in L.A. who support uh, KPFK recently during our fund drive, I just want to note your support helps not only our flagship station here in Los Angeles, but also Pacifica affiliates all around the country who air Shows that are produced here at KPFK, like the broadcast. So you are not only assuring uh, progressive, non-corporate voices here in L.A., but also everywhere around the country where largely all but the corporatist and uh, commercially funded voices, uh, that's all you can usually hear is those corporate voices over our public airwaves. So for many independent-owned and and run Pacifica stations across the country that carry the broadcast and Ian Masters and Sonali Kohatkar and Sojourner Truth and many more shows produced right here in uh, L.A. at KPFK's People-Powered Radio, uh, I just want to thank you because you are supporting progressive radio all over the country And God knows it could use your support. All right. Um, Primary elections will be uh, are being held on Tuesday in five states now. That would be Maine, Nevada, North Dakota, South Carolina, Virginia. If you're in one of those five states, please remember to go vote. It is still our only viable way out of this continuing and worsening morass uh, under Donald Trump and um, Uh, which I regard as uh, an ongoing and worsening national emergency. And a ruling from the GOP's stolen U.S. Supreme Court today once again underscores the importance of voting this year, even if you don't have a strong feeling one way or another about any particular local or state candidates somehow. Just show up and vote. By a 5-4 to four margin, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld a controversial Ohio voter purge law on Monday known as the Use It or, or Lose It Law. It is the most aggressive voter purge system in the country. And the U.S. Supreme Court gave their thumbs up. The measure, carried out by Ohio's Republican Secretary of State John Husted, has been found by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals to be in violation of the federal National Voter Registration Act, the NVRA, sometimes known as the Motor Voter Law. Um, But never mind that, the majority opinion written by Justice Sam Alito held that states can target people who haven't cast ballots in a while. For removal from the polls, that's right, to purge their voting rolls by a five to four vote that split the conservative, so-called conservative and liberal justices on the court. Um, The uh, court rejected arguments in a case from Ohio that the practice violates the federal law, the NVRA, which was intended to increase the ranks of registered voters. The four liberal justices dissented. Um, And the civil groups and some Democrats warned that more Republican-led states now could enact voter purge systems that are similar to that used in Ohio. 
I would amend that to say that those uh, Republican-led states will enact voter purge systems similar similar to that used in Ohio. Ohio uh, purges voters who who uh, who they claim uh, to believe may have moved somewhere in the state or maybe out of the state. They pur- purge more aggressively than most states do, and they rely on two things: voter inactivity and the failure of a voter to return a card sent after the uh, first missed, the very first missed federal election, asking people to confirm that they have not moved and that they continue to be eligible to vote with that card. Voters who return the card or show up to vote over the next four years after they received it, those they remain registered, but if they do nothing, their names will be removed from the list of registered voters under Ohio's scheme. That, despite the fact that the National Voter Registration Act specifically prohibits removing someone from the voting rolls, quote, by reason of the person's failure to vote. That's what it says in the NVRA, but the justices at the Supreme Court, the uh, so-called textualists who claim to, uh, you know, want to go only by what it is that uh, the Constitution or the Congress specifically states. Well, here the Congress specifically stated back in 1993 that you may not remove voters by reason of the person's failure to vote. But um, they're giving the okay for that anyway. Ohio argued and a majority of the court agreed that though the process is triggered by a failure to vote, in one single federal election. And that's not just presidential election, by the way. That's the midterm elections as well. If you miss one of those in Ohio, the process begins to remove you from the rolls. But Ohio said that it requires more than that. It also requires the failure to return that postcard from the state, which most voters um, do not return to the state. And uh, and the failure to vote in the subsequent elections thereafter before the ver- voter will finally be purged, even if the voter has not moved anywhere. So, for example, since many people only vote in presidential elections, if you voted for Barack Obama, let's say, in 2008, but then you didn't vote in the midterm in 2010, as most people don't, under Ohio's scheme, that begins the process to remove you from the voting rolls. You would be sent a notice, supposedly, that you would then have to return to say, yes, I'm still here. I still live here. I I still want to remain registered to vote. But if you don't do that, and then in 2012, let's say you felt Obama was going to win easily, so you didn't bother to vote, and then you didn't vote again in the midterms in 2014, as most people don't, well then, surprise, you would no longer be registered to vote in Ohio when you then tried to show up and vote for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump in 2016. That's pretty much what happened in the case uh, with the uh, plaintiff here uh, in the case uh, where the lower court ruling was overturned today by the U.S. Supreme Court. In that case, Larry Harmon, a software engineer and native uh, and Navy veteran uh, who lives near Akron, Ohio, he tends to vote only in presidential elections. He voted in the 2004 presidential election in Ohio, in 2008 presidential election, but he didn't vote in 2012 because he said he was not impressed with any of the presidential candidates. And then he sat out the midterm elections, as he usually does, in 2010 and 2014. 
But in 2015, he decided he wanted to vote on a state ballot initiative regarding legalizing marijuana, and he found that his name had been struck from the rolls. State officials claim they only did so after sending him a notice in 2011 asking him to confirm his eligibility to vote after missing one single election. But Harmon says he did not remember receiving any notice at all at his home. Well, too bad, Larry, you lost your right to vote because you failed to vote for a couple of elections and failed to notice a postcard sent to your house. Alito uh, said the NVRA, uh, sim- quote, simply forbids the use of non-voting as the sole criterion for moving, removing a registrant, and Ohio does not use it that way. Instead, he wrote, Ohio removes registrants only after they failed to vote and have failed to respond to a notice. Uh, Justice Stephen Breyer, in his dissent, observed that uh, failure to return the notice shows nothing at all that is statutorily significant. In 2012, Ohio sent out one and a half million notices to roughly 20 percent of the state's registered voters, but only four percent of Americans moved outside of their county each year. He wrote, Ohio only received back about 60,000 returned cards, or 40 percent, that said, in effect, you are right, Ohio, I have in fact moved. But in addition, Ohio received back about 235,000 return cards, which said, in effect, you're wrong, Ohio, I have not moved. In the end, however, he noted, there were more than one million notices, the vast majority of notices sent, to which Ohio received back no return card at all. And yet that's what they are using to purge voters in the swing state of Ohio. In a separate dissent, Justice Sonia Sotomayor said that Congress enacted the voter registration law against the backdrop of substantial effort by states to disenfranchise low-income and minority voters. She's talking about the uh, National Voter Registration Act, and she says the court's decision essentially endorses, quote, the very purging that Congress expressly sought to protect against. Civil rights groups said the uh, court should be focused on making it easier for people to vote, not allowing states to put up roadblocks to casting ballots. A Reuters study in 2016 found that at least 144,000 people were removed from the voting rolls in Ohio in recent years in their three largest counties, which are home to the Democratic-leaning uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, The study found that voters have been struck from the rolls in Democratic-leaning neighborhoods at roughly twice the rate as in Republican neighborhoods. Neighborhoods that have a high uh, proportion of poor African-American residents, they are hit the hardest. You'll be stunned to learn. So watch for other GOP-controlled states now to institute exactly this same sort of policy, which is just another reason why you need to vote. Yes, even in midterms. And yes, even if you don't know exactly who the candidates are and what may be at stake. One thing, really important thing, may be at stake, your ability to vote in the next presidential election that you may happen to care about. 
In related news and uh, reminders about how important it is to make sure that you actually are registered to vote this year and every year, even if you think you are already registered to vote. Um, following up on a story that we've been covering since last week's primary election in eight states, specifically here in Los Angeles, where the L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan announced on Election Day, a few hours after the polls had opened, that some 118,000 people were left off the printed voter rosters at the polling places due to what he described at the time as a printing error, though it remains unclear today still what led to that error and how many people were ultimately affected by it. Poll workers were told to, to give provisional ballots to those names uh, to those voters whose names weren't on the rosters at more than 1,000 polling places during the primaries for the crucial 2018 midterms. Uh, so they were told they were supposed to give provisional ballots, but the Lawyers Committee uh, for Civil Rights, which runs the National Election Protection uh, Hotline, 866-OUR-VOTE, reported that many voters were not given those provisional ballots. Now, uh, late last week, the Secretary of State sent a stern letter to Dean Logan, the county clerk, registrar, uh, demanding an explanation uh, and uh, demanding that those provisional ballots be quickly tallied and the voters informed whether they were, in fact, registered or not, and if there was a problem with their provisional ballot that would um, keep it from being counted, they should be notified so that the voters have time to cure the problem. We have some 30 days before uh, uh, elections are, uh, are uh, certified out here in California. So, for example, if someone's signature was judged as to not be matching the one that they have on file, which could be years, decades old, they should be notified. So they have a chance to come in and prove that, yes, this was my vote. I meant to vote. Don't throw it out. Secretary of State Alex Padilla also advised Logan to seek an independent third-party review of what happened. Logan, uh, according to the L.A. Times today, said he will, in fact, do that. The Times says that the uh, county election chief has now said he will seek an independent review after more than 118,000 people were left off the roster this past week. State and county leaders had demanded answers after this huge error led to confusion at the polls. The follow-up affected roughly 2.3% of registered voters and 35% of its polling places. Logan also said he could not rule out anything as far as what caused it, including hacking. So we don't know. He says uh, there's nothing to indicate initially that there was anything malicious, but we need to exhaust everything. He said it appeared that the corrupted data that was corrupted, I guess, when it was sent to the printer somehow, or before it was sent to the printer to uh, print up the uh, poll books for Election Day, he said that uh, appears to have resulted in some voter names not being printed on the rosters that was sent to the polling places, but election workers performed several checks, Logan said, including to make sure that the names printed on the rolls match those in the database, in the computer database. But Logan said, uh, quote, obviously the quality control steps that are in place didn't identify this issue, so we need to identify what... Uh, what was insufficient in this process that led to polls opening and only hours later noticing that, yes, voters had been missing from the rolls. Um, 
As we were also reported last week, uh, while the state of California passed a law earlier in the year allowing registrars to exempt both provisional ballots and late vote-by-mail ballots, uh, which can now come in days after the election as long as they're postmarked by uh, Election Day, uh, those ballots are now exempt from the meager 1% post-election audit that is mandated across the state, meant to assure that our computer tabulators tallied votes as per voter intent. But um, as we noted last week, Logan has told election integrity advocates here in L.A. that he would include the provisional ballots from this uh, election in his post-election spot check, and he has uh, postponed the so-called random audit for one week in order to try to get those uh, uh, those uh, uh, provisional ballots approved and uh, tallied before the audit begins. The so-called audit. It's really a spot check. And it's easily gamed and everything else. I've told you about why we need to get it right with hand counts on election night, not wait until, you know, uh, the computers count it and then maybe somebody decides to do a so-called tiny 1% random audit. Anyway, uh, one more follow-up here, a, a slightly more encouraging one, uh, following up a show from our, uh, our previous broadcast on Friday. During a press conference in Detroit late last week, Secretary of Housing and Urban, De- Urban Development uh, Secretary Ben Carson appeared to back off from a controversial plan that would have raised rent among the poorest Americans uh, who uh, live in federally subsidized housing. Talking about this uh, new initiative dubbed the ironically named Make Affordable Housing Work Act. That's what it's called in Congress. Uh, Carson said that other funding had now come through, so there was no need to increase these rent payments. According to Carson's previous line of magical thinking, as the root notes, uh, raising rent would encourage more Americans, specifically the already working poor, to work harder. In a recent Fox News interview, the HUD secretary said that the measure was, quote, our attempt to give people to give poor people a way out of poverty. Yes, by raising their rent. That should help. Uh, In short, uh, as an AP analysis found last week, the plan would be devastating for the working poor who would be stretched even more thinly than they already currently are. This would affect some 4 million people, 4 million households, I should say, uh, many of whom are children. Uh, More than 3 million uh, affected would be children. It would actually affect 8.3 million people overall. It's unclear how much of the original proposal Carson intends to keep uh, now going forward since this other mysterious uh, funding has come through. Uh, but I, uh, on a previous broadcast, I uh, interviewed former HUD official uh, under Obama, Diane Yentel. She's now the head of the National Low Income Housing Coalition. She told me uh, that the assertion that somehow this would make uh, poor people work harder she said that it was absolutely absurd. There's no evidence for that. Uh, and she told me, however, that despite now what looks like Carson backing off, she says there is a concern that pieces of this proposal are likely to still find their way into other legislation that Republicans are pushing through Congress as they try to chip away at the uh, U.S. social safety net. Here's what uh, Yentel had to say on that. We have to recognize that 
these proposed cuts to housing benefits are part of a larger assault on the entire social safety net and attempts to reduce health care for people who need it most and to actually take away food assistance from hungry families. This is part of a larger assault. We have to recognize that and work hard to make the case to defend these programs. We have to be very careful to make sure that pieces of it aren't pulled out and put onto other bills as they move through Congress. That was Diane Yentel, formerly of the um, Housing and Urban Development uh, Department, uh, warning, uh, keep your eyes on what's going on because Republicans are not done with their effort to scale back uh, the successful and uh, important social safety nets, nets that so many Americans reply on. All right. Therein ends the not insane portion, I think, of today's program. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with the insanity that occurred over the weekend, thanks to our insane president at the G7 summit with our allies. And uh, whatever may happen as our insane president meets with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un over the next 24 hours, plus your calls on both of them, what do you see as happening uh, from this meeting between Trump and uh, Kim Jong-un after Trump couldn't even come to an agreement with our allies in Canada, France, Germany, Britain, etc. over the weekend? We'll take your calls on that at 818-985-5735. And whatever else you'd like to use your public airwaves to ring in about. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. If you're uh, listening live in the Southern California area or anywhere else, 818-985-KPFK. Boy, oh boy. Uh, If, if like most people, you tried to look away from the madness uh, that is our Trump-fueled national emergency over the weekend, uh, I, I can hardly blame you. But you need to know. You need to know, as, as Trump is about to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, how absolutely bat-crap bonkers his meeting, his exchange, his back and forth with the G7, our allies in Canada, the EU, and Japan, how crazy this was over the weekend. Because apparently we, we can no longer even get along with our oldest and best and most friendliest allies anymore. 
So I want to get to your uh, calls on the G7 and how you think the Trump-Kim summit is going to play out shortly since uh, nobody actually knows, even Trump clearly. So your thoughts are as good as, as any pundits on, on TV, uh, frankly, uh, speculating about what may or may not happen, where this all goes. So I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735 as to how you think all of this will play out. But let me start very quickly with just some of this uh, G7 madness. Trump feuded with the Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, <laughs> threatened to impose penalties on foreign automobile imports, capping an acrimonious meeting of the group of seven industrial nations that further frayed ties between the U.S. and its closest allies. According to Washington Post, Trump said on Saturday evening that he had instructed U.S. officials to withdraw support from a joint statement with other members that he had backed just earlier just hours earlier in in Quebec, saying that the U.S. would not join after Trump publicly criticized Trump's trade policies. Now, mind you, Donald Trump got these uh, uh, good headlines earlier in the day on Saturday saying that he was going to join with all of the nations, all of the G7 nations in this communique. So that headline got sent out by AP on their alert system and everywhere else. Um, but then Trump wrote on Twitter just after leaving the summit, he left early, he arrived late, and he left early. Uh, he said, quote, based on Justin's, Justin Trudeau's, false statements at his news conference and the fact that Canada is charging massive tariffs to our U.S. farmers, workers, and companies, I have instructed our U.S. reps not to endorse the communique as we look at tariffs on automobiles flooding the U.S. market. This was after they had already agreed to everything regarding trade at the uh, uh, weekend summit before Donald Trump decided to leave. But then he claims that it was statements from Justin Trudeau at his uh, press conference uh, he, that he called false, but he wouldn't specify which ones were actually false. Uh, earlier on Saturday, after Trump had left and he held this uh, press conference, Trudeau had criticized the recent decision to place tariffs, U.S.'s recent decision to place tariffs on steel and aluminum from uh, the European Union, our friends, from Canada, our friends, Mexico, our friends. Trudeau said that it was insulting that Trump had uh, cited U.S. national security concerns as reasons for placing tariffs on uh, steel and aluminum coming in from Canada. In the run-up to the G7 summit beforehand, Canada, the EU, and Mexico had all already announced that they would be instituting tariffs in response, in retaliation to those that Trump had imposed last week on all imported steel and aluminum, even from friendly allies. So it's unclear what it was that Trump is claiming Trudeau lied about during that press conference. Here's some of what the Canadian prime minister had to say. It would be with regret, but it would be with absolute certainty and firmness that we move forward with retaliatory measures on July 1st, applying equivalent tariffs to the ones that the Americans have uh, unjustly applied to us. Uh, I have made it very clear to the President that it is not something we relish doing, but it is something that we absolutely will do, because Canadians, we're polite, we're reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. 
I highlighted directly to the President uh, that um, Canadians um, did not take it lightly, uh, that the United States has moved forward with significant tariffs on our steel and aluminum industry, particularly did not take lightly the fact that it's based on a national security uh, reason that um, for Canadians who either themselves or whose parents or community members have stood shoulder to shoulder with American soldiers in far-off lands and conflicts um, from the First World War onwards, um, that it's kind of insulting. Kind of insulting. Well, apparently uh, that was outrageous and, according to Donald Trump, totally false. What he was talking about, nobody knows. And yet, uh, that didn't keep... Uh, <laughs> Uh, his 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 advisors, uh, his <clears throat> chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, on Sunday took to uh, where was this a CNN, I think, and accused Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of undermining the U.S. and the, its allies with those polite comments he made at the G7 summit, calling Trudeau's comments uh, that Canada intended to move forward with retaliatory tariffs in response to the U.S. He called that a betrayal. Uh, Kudlow said he really kind of stabbed us in the back. And again, this is Trudeau doing something that he had already told Trump he was going to do before the G7 summit and doing something that was in response to what Donald Trump was doing, these uh, tariffs on our allies. Uh, it's actually taxes on the American people, by the way, uh, because that's what tariffs are. We will all pay an extra 10 percent or 25 percent, whatever it is, for these uh, imported steel and aluminum. Peter Navarro, Donald Trump's trade. So it was a betrayal, as Kudlow saw it. Peter Navarro, uh, Trump's trade advisor, went even further on Sunday on Fox News Sunday, charging this about the prime minister of Canada. Chris, there's a, a special place in hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy with President Donald J. Trump and then tries to stab him in the back on the way out the door. And that's what bad faith Justin Trudeau did with that stunt press conference. That's what weak, dishonest Justin Trudeau did. And that comes right from Air Force One. <laughs> that's uh, weak, bad faith. Bad faith, Justin Trudeau stabbed him in the back. In other words, if you act like Trump and negotiate in bad faith and then renege later and then stab them in the back walking out the door, if you act like Trump, then you're terrible. Yes. And I guess on that point, he's right. But Trudeau didn't act like Trump in this case. Navarro added that uh, Trump even did, he claimed that Trump even did Trudeau a favor Quote, he was even willing to sign that socialist communique. So now he's tarring the G7, our top six other allies, as socialists, I guess, is what he's trying to say. But a special place in hell for Canada? Look, we are on this show, uh, Des, last, I think it was last week, we were highly critical of uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, Absolutely. About a week or so ago, because he purchased that controversial Trans Mountain tar sands pipeline in Canada, nationalized yeah, it. He nationalized it, and he plans to continue polluting the climate with that, yes. But a special place in hell 
for doing something that he already told Trump he was going to do and that Trump already agreed to? A special place in hell for our friends in Canada? I mean, if these snowflakes in the Trump administration can't get along with Canada's uh, with Canada's leader, of all people, how are things going to work out with North Korea's Kim Jong-un? when nuclear war could potentially be at stake. So Trump had it both ways with the G7. He both agreed to join the communique, got headlines for that, and then he didn't join them on the communique. So I'm sure his base is very happy. Meanwhile, in Singapore, he now appears to be having uh, trying to have it both ways as well. Uh, as AP notes, the eyes of the world upon them, uh, both President Donald Trump and North Korean uh, leader Kim Jong-un, headed on Monday into this historic summit. Yet even before they met, Trump announced plans to leave early, raising questions about whether his aspirations for an ambitious outcome had been scaled back. That's right. The first ever meeting between a U.S. president and a North Korean leader was supposed to, uh, well, will kick off in theory uh, on uh, at 9 a.m. on Tuesday with a handshake. There'll then be a one-on-one -on -one meeting uh, with only translators there. Then aides are supposed to come in for more discussion and a working lunch. In the run-up to the talks in Singapore, <clears throat> Trump had optimistically predicted that the two men could strike a deal. Or, for, or forge a, a formal end to the Korean War in the course of one single meeting, or maybe even over several days. But on the eve of the summit, the White House unexpectedly announced Trump would depart Singapore by Tuesday evening. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that uh, describing a, a far more modest goal than Trump had originally outlined just days earlier, that we are hopeful this summit will have set the conditions for future successful talks. The sudden change in schedule added to a dizzying few days of foreign policy activity for Trump, who shocked U.S. allies over the weekend when he used a, uh, a meeting of the Group of Seven uh, to alienate America's closest friends in the West, says AP. The White House said Trump was leaving early because negotiations had moved, quote, more quickly than expected. But they gave no details about any possible progress in preliminary talks. So he's leaving early because it's going so well. Apparently, he does not need to be there. So, uh, hey, is Trump going to pull this off? He also said on Saturday that Kim has a one-time shot to make history. Is he going to pull it off? Will he do anything at this point to try and win that Nobel Peace Prize? Anything that needs to be said or done? Uh, or at least uh, to goose his party's uh, chances in the upcoming midterm elections. Your thoughts? I'd love to hear them. 818-985-5735. How does this all play out? Will Trump declare victory no matter what the two countries actually agree to? If anything, will he play tough guy as he did with our allies at the G7? What's going on here? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, let me take a quick break and then we'll come back for calls for the entire last uh, segment here. Uh, and don't worry, I won't hold it against you if you're wrong, because uh, nobody actually knows what's going to happen here. Nobody, including Donald Trump. Quick break, and we're back with those calls at 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs>
Five major corporations now own over 80 percent of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Does that make me crazy? <laughs> no, it still makes you crazy. Double crazy. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Some uh, music uh, confusion there. My apologies, but always good to hear that song twice. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Um, what's going to happen in uh, North Korea or with North Korea uh, in Singapore over the next few hours? Your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Mike in L.A. Hey, Mike, welcome to the broadcast, my friend. Hey, so good to have you guys back live again. Thanks, uh, Today I googled crackpots meet in Singapore, and guess who came up? <laughs> Whose name came up? <laughs> uh, just who you'd expect. Uh, yeah. Now, people may scoff about a non-aggression fact resulting from the Singapore summit, but I say, remember 1939 and how great that one worked out. I mean, Nazis and communists really understand one another. Yeah, but Mike, wouldn't you rather uh, we come up with uh, some kind of deal that cools the tensions uh, if you compare it to where we were just months ago with Donald Trump, uh, you know, calling him Little Rocket Man, promising fire and fury like we've never seen? Uh, wouldn't yep. some kind of uh, deal, even a bad one at this point, be better than Trump returning to that? Possibly so, but the less time Trump spends in Singapore, the better chance there is of having a decent deal coming mm. out. Of it. Yeah, you're right. Having his uh, having his people work out something. Although even if they do, he'll just um, he'll just break the deal. Apparently, that's what he does. Thanks, Mike. Uh, okay. Yeah. I appreciate the call, Mike. Thank you. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I know some of you also want to get in on uh, some of these other points we've been talking about. Uh, let me go to Ellen in uh, Tarzana. Hey, Ellen, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, I'm calling about the last election. Anybody who had a sample ballot should have been able to walk into their precinct and vote with a regular ballot, not with a provisional ballot. There should have been extra pages at the back of the roster for them to fill their name in, and then uh, the poll worker could say, uh, could verify that they brought their sample ballot in. Uh, these people were. So, so you're talking, Ellen. Just to just to be clear, you're talking about uh, last Tuesday's election, the primary exactly. out here, when all of those names weren't on the on the people rosters. Walked in with sample ballots. Yeah. Their name was not on the roster. They proved that they were registered to vote, or they never would have received a sample ballot. But they still were not allowed to vote unless they chose to vote provisionally, mm-hmm. and because it was so busy at some poll places, they were turned away. Also, voters not always choose to vote provisionally. It's an extra time for them, and those envelopes have to be filled out correctly, and then they have to be handed to the poll workers and entered in a separate sheet. If they brought their sample ballots in, there should be pages in the back that there are for uh, provisional voters. Mm -hmm. The poll worker could see the sample ballot 
hand them a regular ballot so they could vote at the poll in the regular well, voting booth. The, the, no. The problem, no, no. The problem with that, Ellen, and I don't uh, disagree with you in in spirit here, but the problem with that, among other problems, is essentially bookkeeping. For example, if you did that and had already voted by mail, and then you walked in with your sample ballot and said, "Hey, my name is not here. Let me uh, vote again," you'd be able to vote twice. Yeah, but they would be able to check that downtown. It, it would take them no more time. Only. Than it would be to- only in the provisionals. Well, no, they would be able to check it downtown only if they vote, and not downtown, it's actually out in Norwalk, but only if they, uh, in fact, voted provisionally. That's the way they then check those provisional ballots before entering them into the tally. They go back and check and make sure the voter hasn't voted uh, in some other fashion at some yeah, other location, etc. The ballot says vote by mail, though. I think it states that on the back of it. Well, whether or not you're a vote-by-mail... Uh, yeah, I think they uh, do. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have my sample. Listen, ballot. there are ways that... There are ways that it might, we'll find out, that it might have been handled better by uh, Dean Logan. He was very aggressive in trying to let people know that, yes, don't go, don't walk away. You can vote provisionally, letting the, uh, supposedly letting the poll workers know they should give out provisional ballots. Yeah, but they don't have enough poll workers uh, for provisionals. Provisional, there's one provisional person. They can't handle 40, 50, and hundreds of those things coming in, yeah. even with the help from other workers. Well, no, that's so your... You're absolutely right, Ellen. I mean, that, and that's going to, that's why I try to cover this stuff, because when we have these small problems, we also saw this happen across eight counties up in in, uh, in uh, South Dakota last Tuesday, where the electronic poll books that they use, the computerized electronic, uh, computerized poll books that they use, those failed. If that happens in November, we are going to see tens of thousands, if not millions of voters turned away. We need to figure this out, and we need... Well, I think, yeah. I think L.A. County is ripe for having something like this happen. I mean, you yep. could end up with an inordinate number of Cox voters, um, you know, just because regular Democrats were turned away because they didn't want to vote provisionally. They need to have more provisional. If they're going to stick with the provisional program, they need to have at least two other people uh, hire two other people at each of the polling places and have, um, you know, that would be indicated to be provisional workers. Thanks. because And then that yeah. wouldn't discourage people. If they go to the wrong precinct, they may not want to spend the time to vote provisionally. The other part of it is the voter himself, him or herself, because a lot of them don't want to take the time to fill out the envelope and go through the whole provisional process. Yeah, no, process. of course. They don't want to t- either they don't want to take the time or it takes extra time that ends up increasing the lines and people can't vote. We have to get this right. We have to get but it right on election think, day. Yeah. I think Alex Bedelia has to take a more active part in this because just having Logan straighten it out I yeah. don't think is the answer to it. He's seemingly Mr. Nice Guy, but I don't know that his leadership qualities I really need uh, what they need to be. I, you know, I've just gathered that from him, yep. um, that he uh, delegates a lot of responsibility, which he would need to. Um, but at my polling place, I handed in my vote by mail. Yep. The inspector didn't even understand my question about how many people had voted. Of course, I can go to that roster and look All at, right. you know, on the outside. But another poll worker gave me the answer to it. So right. I'm saying... 
they recruit whomever they can. Well, of course, and we need people. And Ellen, I'm sorry I had to cut you off here because I got to run here. Uh, we need more poll workers. We need people to uh, sign up to work at the polls. Uh, I take your point. And uh, when it comes to Padilla, yeah, he's uh, made things much more disturbing here in Los Angeles uh, and across California. Uh, by doing away with the need for the federal certification of voting systems. And Dean Logan, who had enough trouble getting out everybody's, uh, the the printed paper uh, rosters to the polling places, Dean Logan's going to go to a new 100% unverifiable touchscreen system by the 2020 presidential election in L.A., the largest voting jurisdiction in the nation, and he's only able to do that because he's been given the thumbs up by Secretary Padilla. All right, let me get to some more calls. 818-985-5735 on uh, on, on Trump and uh, Korea. North Korea, uh, Brian in Redlands, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Mr. Brad, man. Hey, I just wanted to cast my vote on uh, these two knuckleheads coming into this meeting and coming out with uh, complete success on both sides, that North Korea, Kim Jong-un is going to say that, oh, yeah, it was a great, you know, great meeting. Trump is going to come out saying, hey, we, we came out with negotiations that you know, nobody, including Barack Obama, couldn't make, and then something's going to go sour, and these two knuckleheads are going to start some, some concerning war or, or uh, you know, trade war or something's going to go on, but... Initially, this is going to come out like, oh, yes, we had the, the greatest meeting. We had the greatest tea and sandwiches. <laughs> and, yeah, of course, that's that's kind of what I think they're going to do, too. They're going to come out with something positive, and we are excited to move ahead. And they're going to uh, continue over on Fox News to talk about how we should give the Nobel Peace Prize to Donald Trump, uh, at least up until November. And then, uh, you know, when we actually see what the actual deal is. Remember, it's got to measure up against the Iran deal which Donald Trump called the worst uh, deal ever made in the history of the world. Uh, or was yeah. that the Paris Climate Agreement? Either way, he, he gets us out, he breaks all of these agreements that the U.S. Has, uh, is already in. But whatever is done in Korea is going to be compared to what was done in Iran. And it was quite a sophisticated, smart plan in Iran where they didn't have, they didn't have nuclear weapons. So, uh, boy, yeah, it, that's what gives me yeah. the dark and sneaky suspicion yeah. that these two guys—they're they're bullies in their own right. And any bully that you ever met with half a brain, they always come up with, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," because I won this fight. But then, you know, a couple miles down the road, they realize they're all hot-headed and still fuming, and they come at each other again. So, I'll, I'll be concerned to see what happens around the the elections again, and see if he doesn't come up with something saying that, "Well, I should still be president because now we're at war." Me too, Brian. Uh, thank you for that uh, thought. I appreciate it. Uh, let me go to uh, Lydia in Altadena. Always love hearing from Lydia, if only because that's my mom's name. Hey, Lydia, welcome to the show. Hi, Brad. Hi. Um, I, re- I voted last week in Altadena in an African-American polling uh, place. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I was properly registered. I even checked afterwards. Um, I was given a provisional ballot. But for the presidential election, I voted in an African-American neighborhood in Pasadena, the same thing. I had a provisional ballot. And so I hope whatever, um, you know, however they look into this, they also look into the demographics of the, of the places that were where the problems were. Yeah, it uh, would be nice to figure out why we continue to have these problems. Uh, the notion that uh, Dean Logan wasn't even able to rule out hacking 
uh, should be very uh, alarming for all of us yeah. as we barrel towards yeah. November. Just one, saying. Yeah. yeah. One other thing yeah. on the um, Nobel Prize. Yeah. I think that we really need to insist on linking this to the separation of children and hammer that home to the Nobel Prize Committee so that they keep that in mind that... Um, yeah. The, the the fact that uh, a Nobel Prize winner probably shouldn't be separating children from their parents when yes. they try to come to the U.S.? Yeah, which is yeah. against international policy and um, to say nothing of our own. So I think we really need to kind of tie those two issues and not let um, anybody forget what's happening. Yeah. Thank you, Lydia. I appreciate that Thank call. You, you bet. International law like that matters anymore around here. These are the United States. <sighs> uh, let me go to. Oh, good, Morris. Good to hear. Hey, Morris, welcome to the welcome back to the broadcast, brother. It's been a long time since I've heard your voice. Brad, I love hearing you on the radio. Listen, I had the opportunity to speak with Congressman Connor this morning on the uh, Tom Hartman program, mm-hmm. and a funny thing happened. Uh, I went to a McDonald's in the city of Compton, and I used my uh, my ATM card. And uh, before I could say KPFK Fund Drive, I, I not only processed the whole transaction, I got a receipt with the time, the date, what I bought, all the pertinent information. And so I brought that out to the congressman, and I said, why can't we have the same spirit with respect to my voting? And he says, you should. Well, the reason why we... Yeah, let me let me counter that, Morris, uh, just a little bit. Uh, you should, but the problem is, you know, when it comes to banking like that, you're allowed to look and see if it went through. The credit card company can see if it went through. The bank, et cetera, the company with whom you're dealing. But when it comes to voting, we have a secret ballot. You drop it in that box. You can't go and check. The uh, the candidates can't go and check. The You know, it, it's sort of gone. That's why it's a different process. And comparing it to banking and uh, ATMs, I hear a lot of people say, oh, we can bank online all the time. Why can't we vote online? It's a different animal. We need to be able to oversee our votes and make sure they were uh, accurately tabulated. We can do that if it's a transaction at McDonald's, but you can't do that with a secret ballot unless you want to give up the secret ballot. So that's that's the difference on that point, Morris. Well, no, I'm I'm gonna have to take issue with uh, with you with this, Brad, because right. that could that could be done in five minutes. We can know who won this election by the time the polls close. The technology is out there. There have been people that have told us about these machines that you know about that could be hacked and everything, and they mm-hmm. were put in jail when they told us about it. But we can solve these voting problems. But the reason why we would never be able to solve this is because the reason why we have voter suppression is to protect wealth. It's in our U.S. Constitution to protect the wealthy class. So it's not like it's a new phenomenon today. And with respect to the situation in, in uh, Korea, yep. uh, if, uh, if Mr. Trump is not careful, if the North Korean leadership and the South Korean leadership get together and say they want to stop those military exercises, they want that military base out of there, and they went the 300,000 women that have been turning the prostitutes. They want all that stuff terminated. If Mr. Trump doesn't agree to that, they could just say he's a bully, like he did with the Iran deal and like he did with the G7 deal. And we're going to look just as bad as the Israelis. Brad, what do you think? I think I want to uh, let others ring in on this. I think you're uh, you're not off base on that, even though we we're, we don't see eye Getting our results uh, five minutes after the polls closed is not uh, the, the 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 most important issue. It's a matter of getting them right. But we will continue to bicker about that, Morris, uh, in the days ahead. Thanks for the call. I want to try to get to one more before I get out. Thank you, brother. Good to hear from you. Uh, Let me go to 
where am I here? Oh, yes, John in Westlake. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad, thank you. I, um, real quickly, I, I'm very concerned that there's already a deal in place because Trump and Uh are such dirty, dirty people anyway, and the work with China and Russia that Trump has done and smacking our allies and smacking the other agreements, that there may be something already in place so he can leave early and the war is ended and there's a denuclearization in processor and program because there have been meetings with North and South Korea for several months now, as you know. That sounds okay with me. Why should we worry about that, John? That sounds good. Because that'll make him look like a star. Mm-hmm. Still no deal because they're both bullies, as your previous caller was saying. Is it, it'll make him look like a star, and with the Republicans purging down voter voter registers mm-hmm. as they are, it could just line up for a perfect storm for mm-hmm. 2018. Uh, yeah, 2018 yeah. for the Republicans to look shiny and new. A fake. And the whole thing's a scam. A fake deal. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Yep. Style, and so is Ooms. Thank you. Uh, that's Kim. Thank you, John. I appreciate that call. Let me get, I got one more. I think I got time for one more. Whoa, Neil in uh, Corona. Hey, uh, Whoa, Neil, welcome to the broadcast. Very quickly. Hi. Hey. Hi. So can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, the complex set of historical factors aside and whatever else we may want to say about the situation, without North Korea joining the destructive rank and file of the nuclear power nations, none of what has transpired in the past few months would have taken place. Let's be colossally clear about this. And the message to the world from the socioeconomic geopolitical structure in which North Korea is forced to participate the structure in which the U.S., the biggest war merchant of the world, and of course of other nuclear power nation states operate, the message is loud and clear. If you want to survive on this geopolitical chessboard, either buckle under the imperial pressure and collapse, or join the rank of the imperial nations that will lead inevitably to the demise of the entire Earth, planet Earth. And also, we really need to put this whole discourse in the broader context of the the imperial chessboard game uh, with the China in mind. China, it's not so much Kim Trump as it is China, the U.S., and the Western uh, imperial powers. Well, Neil, I got... Empires. I, I hear you. Thanks for getting that point out. i got to get out because we're at the top of the hour, and I'm going to run out of time on the clock. Uh, thank you very much, O'Neill, and thanks everyone else for calling in. Uh, apologies to those I couldn't get to. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, to my board op today, D'Angelo Jones, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site, wherever that may be. You can drop me email. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. And otherwise, that is it. We will see you again tomorrow right here on the Bradcast. I hope you will join me. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.